Grace and peace to you, and welcome to a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sign up for weekly digital content at richfieldumc.org. Subscribe, share, and get out there with Jesus to heal a broken world. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good experience. This podcast is a sermon on March 8th, 2020. God Give Us Connection is part two of the six-part worship series, True Grace. The preacher is Reverend Nate Melcher, and the scripture is Acts 19, verses 8 through 10, and Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22. Hi friends, this is Pastor Nate. Unfortunately, we had some recording device issues during Sunday worship. I'll be delivering the sermon here from the confines of my office. So uh, here it is for you, and I hope you have a good experience. I'll start with the scripture, Acts 19, verses 8 through 10. Paul entered the synagogue and for three months spoke out boldly and argued persuasively about the kingdom of God. When some stubbornly refused to believe and spoke evil of the way before the congregation, he left them taking the disciples with him, and argued daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. And here is from the letter of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 8 through 22. For the grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of works, so that none may boast. For we are what he has made us created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. So then remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth, called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall. That is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him both of us have access in one spirit to Almighty God. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually in a dwelling place for God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. With concern over the cold and flu season amped up because of COVID-19, the coronavirus, people are getting creative with their greetings. This season, many way, there are many ways to share the peace beyond handshakes there are waves, smiles, nods. Truly, it's an introvert's dream. It's a good time to be a movie fan, too. Perhaps you remember The Sting with Robert Redford and Paul Newman, where you can just take your finger and slide it off the end of your nose. Uh, oh, wait, you're not supposed to touch your face. Well, there's always uh, Spock from Star Trek with the Vulcan sign of live long and prosper. And if you are a Marvel Comics movie fan, Wakanda forever. 
a lighthearted bit of humor aside, there is a real concern regarding this virus. Real people are dying. Real people are scared. Real safety measures must be taken by our governments, our organizations, and our families. We're in a season of mindfulness around how we connect, especially by touch. And there's this awareness that is brought on less touching and less gathering. I'm reminded of the book, The Five Love Languages. It's a book that I give to couples as they're getting ready to get married. And it's all about how we connect. And Dr. Gary Chapman has got this theory that each of us has a primary love language by which we receive love. And the five are this, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, quality time, and physical touch. Now think about those. It's hard when the ways we connect and feel loved are the most are more limited. And of those five, at least two, physical touch and quality time have been very impacted. It is tough to know how concerned to be, too. Are most people relatively safe, or is it only going to get worse? What changes now that we have a confirmed case in Minnesota? That got people's attention. One of the most challenging things with this or other things facing the world is feeling connection. Uh, people may have it bad over there, but but at least we're over, okay over here, right? See, we often see ourselves first. Here's an innocuous example. You're driving against traffic. Never do that. You're driving southbound and you're just zipping along and then you see the northbound traffic and they're coming up and it's bumper to bumper. In fact, maybe they even stopped in the highway there, but you're just zipping southbound. There's barely anyone with you. And you look at the northbound and you say, sorry, northbound traffic stinks to be you. Or have you ever been in line to meet someone famous, maybe at a book signing, and it just takes forever. And you look ahead and you witness how the other people in line, they're just taking their sweet time and and they are making small talk with the author. Then they give the book to the author, but they don't let go of the book. They're still holding on to it while they give more small talk. And then the author's signing the book, and they're still making small talk. And then they give the book back, and there's more small talk. And, oh, can we get a picture? Yeah, we better get up and get a picture. And more small talk. And you just think, just get on with it. Don't you see all these people behind you? Come on. And then it's your turn. And you have some small talk, and you give them the book, and there's more small talk, and oh, can we get a picture and some small talk? And then you kind of forget the people behind you. But look, you have an expensive trip to New York, New York City, and this is your time with Frank McCourt, and he is signing your copy of Angela's Ashes, and he's going to hear your hilarious stories too. Not, not that that happened to me. Anyway, we may tend to disconnect but God is always connected to us and showing us our connections to each other. In Acts, Paul is in the synagogue, making his case day in, day out, getting bold about his message about the kingdom of God for anyone who will listen. Not everyone agrees, but he keeps pressing on, insisting this God, through Jesus, connects them all. It's what we've seen in Acts over and over. That which you thought keeps you disconnected brings you together. God's diverse design includes you and your neighbor and maybe even your enemy. It's a message that Paul isn't going to back away from because God isn't going to back away from grace. True grace is always available. Grace is the unmerited, unending, unyielding love and forgiveness of God. It is for all people at all times. Nothing can take it away. 
It is how God is always connected to us and how God connects us with each other. When we say that phrase, love wins, what we mean is grace. In Ephesians, Paul's proclaiming the unity between Jews and Gentiles as one household under God. When the people can reconcile this, they'll experience the fruit of God's uniting power in their coming together. With an intent like that, it's no wonder passages from Ephesians are popular in wedding ceremonies. For Paul, it's all about that grace, about that grace. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, he proclaims that indeed, by grace you have been saved through faith. Live into a mature Christian life, speak the truth in love, separate from outside influences and distractions, and in your love of Jesus, you will find your connection with one another. Jews and Gentiles, you're connected in the grace of Jesus. Northbound bumper-to-bumper traffic and southbound zippers, you're connected in the grace of Jesus. People in line for a book signing, you're connected by the grace of Jesus. And yes, whether we are personally concerned about whether or not we might be infected by COVID-19, we are personally connected with those who are in Minnesota, in Florida, in California, in Washington, in Italy, and in Wuhan, China. The further away we are from someone, the more they can become an abstraction. You see the cars stuck in traffic, it's easy to forget the drivers. We see the news of infection 6,931 miles away, that's the distance from Minneapolis to Wuhan, China. We near the news of the infection, it's easy to forget the people infected. But then it moves closer. Oh wait, now my traffic lane is slowing down? Now I may be late? That's not cool. Wait, COVID-19 is in the U.S. now? And there were deaths? But only on the coasts, right? Wait, it's in Minnesota now? Okay, now tell me what I'm supposed to do. We do this again and again, friends. We abstract the other and disconnect the dots of grace God has laid out for us to reveal the big picture of connection. If we only care when a problem lands on our front door, we are not living into God's vision of grace and mercy. When we hear news, good news, bad news, we do well to think about, even pray for, the people involved. Use our brains to be mindful enough to stay connected so our hearts keep beating for our fellow human siblings. God's heart beats for them. Do ours. This week I received a letter from Veep, the volunteers enlisted to assist people. It's one of our oldest community partners, and it reads in part this, Thank you so much for Richfield United Methodist Church's contribution of 1,281 pounds to the Veep Food Program in 2019. Your support keeps the food pantry stocked, provides visitors with additional access to healthy food, and allows families and seniors the opportunity to gain the support they need. So for perspective, 2019, Veep distributed 4,246,420 pounds of food. That's just that one food shelf alone in Minnesota. So that means our 1,281 pounds was 0.03% of that. Now that might not seem like a lot until you think, well, if every church said that doesn't seem like a lot, we might as well not do it anymore. You're never going to get to 
4 million pounds, let alone 1% of that. The United States Department of Agriculture estimates that the average person in the United States eats a ton of food every year, literally 1,996 pounds. Does the average person who uses Veep eat the average food weight? My guess is no. And we're connected to that person. When we go all in as a church this Lent to raise funds and food for Veep, we are saying yes to God's connections. We recognize we are connected to these real people. We don't want them hungry. And by the way, the letter says we gave $488 cash donation last year. And my understanding is that we've already collected over $600 for our current drive in Lent. How far will we go? People clearly need more access to food in Minnesota. We do this with the Veep Drive now because it's Minnesota Food Share Month. It's a grassroots campaign to restock food shelves across the state in March. Last year, just during Minnesota Food Share, these six weeks, not even the whole year, last year in these six weeks, $8 million and over 5.1 million pounds of food were raised. So that means our piece was 0.025% of that. Now that's still not even thinking about the total millions and millions of foods, pounds of food all year round. You are personally connected to someone who doesn't have enough to eat. You may or may not know who they are, but you do personally know them. The unity between the hungry and the fed as one household under God is as undeniable as the grace God gives to all. Eliminate the abstraction and know your connection. This week, Reverend Hope and I were in a clergy gathering from Beacon Interfaith Housing. It's who we do families moving forward through. And we got to know each other as interfaith colleagues and explore deeper ways to connect. One thing we spoke of at length is one of Beacon's goals. Everyone does better when everyone has a home. Everyone does better when everyone has a home. Their work is at two levels, compassion and justice. Justice is working to change systems from government policy to the law of the land to help making housing more equitable, obtainable, simple. I'm grateful for this justice work. If they did not lobby for change at the systemic and government level, I would be concerned about having them as a partner. But they do this work. They also do the compassion. And compassion work is getting people resources now. And an obvious example is Families Moving Forward, where we house families experiencing homelessness for a week at a time in our church and other churches. Giving families in crisis stability, if even for a week, matters. For parents to work, for kids to go to school. The Center for Housing Policy estimates impoverished children who move three or more times before the age of six demonstrate increased behavior and attention problems, and that affects academics. And friends, if you've served as one of our unpaid servants during Families Moving Forward, you know we get plenty of kids under six. We're connected with these children. Those of us with children in school, it is likely they have or will have a classmate experiencing homelessness, even if our kids never know it. You don't have kids in school? Sure, I get that. And yet, are you any less connected to these kids? Paul writes, It is the grace of God that connects us all, unites us, despite our differences. 
These children are not abstractions. They are our neighbors. That's why we do families moving forward. They are our neighbors. And they're children, so that means they are our future. This week, Minnesota released its high school graduation rates for 2019. And overall, it's pretty good news. We had a record high in 2019 of 83.7% graduation rate. The Minnesota Department of Education says that percentage went up a half a percentage point over 2018. It represents 57,171 students who earned their diploma in four years, plus another 3,806 students who earned it in five to seven. The dropout rate fell from 4.6% to 4.4%. Black students are up 5.2%. Hispanic students up 3.9%, both now at 69.9%. So the racial disparities are there. And Minnesota has got some of the worst racial disparities documented in the nation. Uh, So the numbers are better, but we can't forget that the racial disparities are there. And yet you tie all these grad rates to unstable housing. And friends, if you don't have a home, it's hard to focus on homework. Remember, Beacon Interfaith Housing says, everyone does better when everyone has a home. God gives us connections with our siblings geographically, from the house next door, to the car-turned-house down the block, to Wuhan, China. God gives us connections with our siblings across time, reminding us we are in the stream of history unfolding. This Saturday, March 7th, was the 55th year anniversary of Bloody Sunday. 600 civil rights marchers attempted a peaceful, anti-racist march for voting rights from Selma to Montgomery, turned away by the violence of law enforcement, and forced back to Selma. This is part of our history as a nation, and we are connected to those people in this moment. About a month from now, on April 22nd, 2020, it'll be the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. This week, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson reminded us that when we went into space, we no longer saw an Earth divided by color-coded nations on a globe in a social studies classroom, but as blue oceans, dry land, and clouds. He said, and I quote, A cosmic perspective can descend upon you in such a way that you care about the survival of others. And we are connected by this. We're connected to the Ephesians and to the original audience of Jesus. I'm in a production of Godspell with my kids uh, that's coming next two weekends at Aldersgate United Methodist Church. If you're going to pray for Pastor Nate this week, Pray that my voice comes back to sing my solo for Prepare Ye, because you cannot sing Prepare Ye pianissimo. That is a practical statement and a theological statement. Godspell is based on the Gospel of Matthew and other Gospel writings, and it's a familiar story to Christians and even some non-Christians. And Jesus meets the people. Uh, in, in, in the service, friends, uh, we, we looked at the stained glass windows in the sanctuary during the time with children. And then uh, I went over to the windows during the service here too. On the south side, the windows reflect the life of Jesus. On the north side, the windows reflect the Beatitudes. And we do have extra booklets available in the sanctuary if you'd like to take one and learn more about the windows.
So you have to picture that, podcast listeners. We know the story. So Jesus meets people, teaches them how to live, is killed for it, and is resurrected with the people carrying on his mission. A challenge of this show is that we know the story, how they get there, how it ends on the cross, how it really goes beyond the end, continues in resurrection. It's hard for the actors because if we assume we all know the story, we go through the motions instead of feel the emotions. It can be hard for any given Christian. We go through the motions but not feel the emotions. The director gave me space to speak to the cast about character motivation and how to get our now connected with their then. Because everything Jesus teaches to them is 100% new, a revelation. They are poor and destitute. They're triple taxed. They pay their tribute to Rome, their tax to Herod, and their temple tax. They have nothing, little to no food, barely any homes, low education, diseases that make it impossible to touch each other without risk of infection. They're not in the city, they're in the sticks, they're up in Galilee. Nobody's going to Galilee except to pass through Galilee or to come and get your taxes. So when Jesus shows up in Galilee to these people and says the Beatitudes, they have never heard this before. They've never heard, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the persecuted. He said, blessed are you. God is connected to you. People may try to disconnect from you or save for maybe how they might use you, but that is not how God operates. Putting ourselves as actors into the hearts of these first hearers of such teaching has been key to how we perform God's spell. It's key to how we see each other, not as an abstraction, but a connection. I once did a presentation on the Beatitudes, and a person spoke up and said, Oh, I don't like this list. And I asked, Why not? And they said, Well, I'm not any of those. I'm not meek or mourning or persecuted or poor. Why do they get a special blessing and I don't? That just happens to be where that person was in their faith journey, and they just didn't feel the connection with that list. So I, I offered two thoughts. First, well, others are on that list, and they need to hear it, especially uh, if they've never heard it before. And second, maybe you're not on that list now, but someday you will. In fact, someday... I believe each of us experiences at least one of these, probably mourning. We will all come to mourn. But we may all have our days of being poor in spirit, and yet we, we all may give mercy. We all may make peace. We all may thirst for righteousness for our siblings, our connected siblings. May we be united in Jesus, the Jesus who reaches out and touches us with grace and mercy. May we be infected with the love of God and spread it to all whom we encounter. May we see the ways we are connected to someone 6,931 miles away, nearly 2,000 years ago, 1,000 pounds short of an average diet, one paycheck away from no home. 
May God lift the veil of abstraction and replace it with connection. So we do not just go through the motions, but feel the emotions. May it be so. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from Richfield United Methodist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Copyright 2020. Now go into God's world knowing you are a beloved child and bear witness to the love of God so that those to whom love is a stranger will find in you a generous friend. Thanks for listening.